Welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business Podcast, where we explore the game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance and well-being in the workplace. If you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business, if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber, and if you want to be part of a revolution in human potential, then join us to discover the powerful resource that lives before our psychology Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series and another wonderful episode lined up because today I am lucky enough to be joined by Jennifer Kaufman from Boston in the US who has got, well there's lots of things actually Jennifer and I will talk about but she's got such a great inspirational story at one level and she's able to point to what's behind that and the secret source for everything in life and work. Jennifer, it's a real pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the show. And would you be able to start by giving listeners a little bit of background and how come you've got to where you are today, your journey, which resulted in you being an inspirational filmmaker and a coach and consultant? Thank you, Piers. It's a pleasure being with you today. And, you know, I want I want your listeners to know that it wasn't always this way. You know, I, I grew up in a paradigm where, or, you know, in a, you know, in a home where in order to be successful, I had to work hard. And I took that literally, and I took that belief. And so I worked the hardest I could to be the best I could be. I started out in the corporate world um, and I worked in the finance and uh, investment industry for a number of years. And I was fortunate and blessed because I rose, I went from working in the mailroom to becoming a vice president in charge of our highest net worth client within a five-year span. So wow. I took working hard seriously, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I was just like, boom. But guess what? That was my life. Work was my life. Now I was passionate about it. I loved what I did. Don't misunderstand. But looking back on it, I missed an opportunity to, you know, it was difficult to maintain a relationship at that time. And, and also because I worked so hard there was no space, no room to, to create a family. And that was something that I really wanted to do. Um, and so I, I struggled to get out of this paradigm of working hard until fast forward when I was 42 years old, I am um, at the Boston Marathon for the very first time. And I happened to be standing 15 feet from the first of two explosions that left me feeling emotionally, physically, spiritually shattered. And I had just, here's the irony. I had just come off my best year in business. Every single one of my, so I had transitioned out of the corporate world because I had burnt myself out. Now in the beginning, I used to say it was the, you know, the company's fault. But the truth is I did it. I bought the belief that you had to work hard. And so, so I did. So I left the corporate world wanting to start my own company, which I did. I've owned and operated it for 15 years now. And um, the truth is I took that same paradigm and just brought it into my business in the beginning. Mm. Right. So I started my business in 2007, a year, the year prior to, you know, one of the economic recessions. So the truth is my business started to take off in 2008. All of my clients at the time either were able to maintain their business or slightly grow. And statistically, you know, it was like, well, that's not possible. But I kept saying to my clients, don't focus on what's going on out there. Focus on what it is you do best. 
Mm. whether it's a product or a service or what, or a combination of things, focus on what you do best, focus on empowering your team to bring the best parts of your business forward. And so there's something to that. So I want, I want your listeners to understand this is that it doesn't matter what is going on. It just so happens that you and I are sitting here today and we're in the midst of a global pandemic. And people are losing jobs, people are losing lives, people are facing you know, some health issues, people are facing some business critical issues, right? And that is all true. And it's absolutely possible to thrive in these times. But it, here's what it requires. Here's the secret sauce, ready? Here's the secret. Mm, ready, I'm ready, we're all ready, yeah. Okay, it's just going within and doing mm-hmm. what feels and resonates with you. Now, for those companies that have teams of people, right? You've got to look, listen, you know who your star performers are. Why? Because they're just, they're just producing, you know, and they, they're typically people that are enjoyable to be around. You never have to follow up on their work. They just, they're just in their zone of genius. Right. And then there are other people in, in, you know, that, might be complaining, might, you know, might be performing at a subpar level. And it's not anything wrong with them. When you've got one musician that's singing on a tune, the whole band kind of falls off key. But when, when everybody is in their zone of genius doing what they love to do and it's effortless to some degree, right? Things become harmonious. Things become exponential. And this is where we start to tap into the quantum aspect of doing business. There's no longer this push. There's no longer this pull aspect. As you can see, I'm passionate about this. So, um, well, there's so much to unpack in what you've said so far. I don't, I don't want to lose the richness of what you're saying. So I'm going to sort of pick on some bits that you already said, Jennifer, and unpack them. So let's just start on what you said most recently, because there's there's a lot in that. I, I love what you're pointing to about when people are in there, what you describe as zone as genius, there's flow, there's harmony things happen. There's abundance. They find it easy to do stuff. And when they're not, the opposite happens. Now, you know, for my regular listeners, you'll know that when we talk about quality of mind, we often talk about aperture and how it contracts and expands. And, you know, I can easily see the the same thing as what you're saying. When you're in the zone of genius, you know, in our language, in a expanded aperture and vice versa. Now, here's the question a lot of people often have, and I'd love to get your view on this, is what determines whether someone is in that expanded aperture zone of genius or not? Because what I would say is sometimes it can look like it is an external reason, like, oh, the role's wrong or the business is wrong or they're not, you know, playing to their competencies or whatever. But often it's not that, right? Because someone in the same role can go from being in flow and not to. So what we really point to in quality of mind is what is actually behind whether they are in their zone of genius or not. So I'd love to get your view on that bit to start with. And there's loads more we can explore after that. Absolutely. So there's no one answer here. Here's in my experience, I've led teams, you know, um, you know, throughout my corporate career and, and also in my own business. Here's what I've understand. It's easy to point out when something is off. And I find the very first thing to do is approach the person Mm -hmm. in a private situation and ask authentically, what is going on? Like, you know, I'm happy. I happen to notice, 
you're not yourself or you're not whatever. And really give them the safe space to speak freely and openly of what's going on. It could be something going on in the home front. It's not that they're not lacking the skills or the aptitude to do it. It could be that there's something going on at home that's, you know, affecting them in, in the, in the corporate space or in the business space, right? It could be, they're just not excited about it anymore. So they've got the skill and the aptitude, but they're just like, yeah, it's just boring. That you know they're they're looking for another challenge, so it could be it could be that oh my gosh, they really are outside of their comfort zone, and it's a stretch for them to be in the role that they're in, and they don't feel comfortable to ask for guidance or ask for mentorship. It can be any one of those things, and frankly, it could be more. It could go on and on and on. So for me, it's about connection. It's about relationships. It's about connecting with the people, building trust with them, and saying, okay, what you know. What is it, you know, what's going on here? And, and I happen to notice that you're not thriving in this scenario. Why, mm. What do you think that is? And I turn it into a coaching opportunity, to be honest with you, Piers. What do you, what, what's going on? What is it, what would have you, you know, you know, listen, it's not realistic to think that we're constantly on and constantly thriving. So I want people to, to really mm. understand that. Is that in in fact, I just came out of a business meeting with one of my business partners, right? And we weren't aligned on something. And I basically had to say, listen, great. You seem so excited and energized about that. Run with it. For me, I love the idea. Candidly, I love the idea, but I didn't have the energy or the appetite behind it to put into it. I could feel it was going to be an effort. And I'm like, I'm not interested in expending effort anymore. I actually want to have fun. I want to play. And so I've actually changed, you know, work for me reminds me of the old way of being, right. working hard to be successful. So I call it play now because for me, it's just more fun and playful, right? Like I want to play with people. I want to, I want to connect with like-minded people who are up for helping evolve human consciousness and recognize that we all have the God-given ability to rise and thrive in any situation mm. and to have those conversations. So I know I took it a little off, off twist here, but there's not one answer, but, but here's the deal. Most people will be honest with you. If you just give them the opportunity, if they don't feel threatened by you asking them the question. Right. And, and here's, the, and there's, again, lots in what you said, but the first thing I want to point to is that when you are connecting with that person and asking them, inquiring as to, hey, how are you going? What's going on? Do you feel you're thriving? Do you not? You know, actually what's going on there from, from where I look at it more upstream is it's all about the aperture you're in, right? Because if you came in that conversation from a kind of slightly more, what I would call contracted aperture, you'd be, they'd be sensing and feeling that. And some of your questions they'd feel were a bit loaded, were maybe a little bit judgmental, they couldn't open up. Right? But because you're coming at it, I'm imagining from what you're saying, from that space of openness yourself, just neutral inquiry, that helps someone else get curious with you and they can explore what's going on, right? And that will help their aperture open and therefore they're going to end up more in, in flow, right? So it's interesting because th this having been coaching for 20 years, you know, I now see what the secret source of coaching is. It isn't what question you ask or that kind of thing. It isn't the words. I mean, that, you know, it might look like that, but it's where you're coming from and where you're meeting someone else at 
in your own space, which enables them, right? So, so that's the point one. I think that's why it works for you when you connect with people because of where you are coming from, because you're not efforting. And then the second thing you pointed to, which is sort of similar, but a little bit different context is, you know, the conversation with your business partner, there's something that's flowing for them, right? There's absolute flow for them. Yeah, yeah I want to do this, this, this. And, and for you, no, less so, right? Now, because you are tuned in to what I, what I call the barometer, right? So you can tell, yeah, I've got quite a bit of thinking about this. That doesn't feel easy and flow for me, right? So you're sent, you can sense that. Now, rather than you could push through it, I guess, if you wanted to using discipline and willpower, which would be in the old you, right? So hard work, hard work, hard work, hard work. But instead you're going, hmm, that doesn't, that doesn't, my, my aperture is not right on this. Therefore, why push through? Because I like to enjoy stuff and have fun. So I'll go with where the wind's blowing, which might be direction B, not direction A. So that's what you've, it sounds like that's what you've tuned into. Whereas before in your old paradigm, when you were efforting, you would just sort of use your willpower and psychological efforting to try and push everything, which led you to burnout. Now, is that, does that make sense? Absolutely. And you're spot on. And, and I want to say it's, it's beyond the mind, right? Yes. So we're having a conversation about it's, so I want to be really clear. The idea that my business partner had was brilliant, right? So from a mind perspective, it was like, that's a great idea. I think that's great. I think it, I, I think that has legs to it. I think that has traction, right? But when it came to, well, hey, you want to help me implement this? I'm like, no. Because, because for me, it's like, you know, to use an analogy, it's like going to the gym and doing a workout that I'm not at all excited about, mm. you know, like, like, okay, I got to go do this because someone said I've got to do it. And this is what it's going to take for me to get my body into shape, but I'm not at all excited about it. I'm not interested. I'm actually not interested. So for me, I was like, okay, can I do it? hundred percent. I could do it. But there was going, I could feel energetically. And this is where I want, you know, your listeners to see it. It takes practice, right? And what I would say is the easiest way to tap into this is to be fully present in the now moment. If your mind is on, you know, um, which mine used to be like on overdrive and it was just constantly, you know, I call it like the monkey brain, right? And it was just, it was just nonstop. I've gotten myself to a point where I can be present most of the time. I'm not, I'm not there hundred percent of the time, but I can be fully present in the now moment with you. And as a result of that, I can tune into how my body feels. So right now we're having this conversation and I'm pretty lit up about it because I'm, can, I feel connected to you. I feel like we're having this heartfelt conversation about something that we're both passionate about. We're coming at it from slightly different perspectives, but we understand each other. It's actually really fun, right? And it's expansive, right? And, and, um, and that is what you want to look for. Do you feel expanded or does it feel like somewhat contracted? You know, the idea may be brilliant and great, but if you don't have that resonance, that energetic feeling that goes behind it, it's going to be effort. Yes, totally get that. And do you know what's so interesting about that? I, I, I talk about, I use just a word, recalibration or calibration or a sensory acuity to what you're talking about. Because I believe, and I was for many years, quite numb to that. What, what, what you are now being able to tune into, and, and me too, I mean, I couldn't tune into it before. I didn't really know what it was. 
but now it's like day and night for me when I'm when I'm sensing that sort of openness and when I'm not so being what you're describing as present in the moment is because you've recalibrated your system to sense that now whereas most of us actually what we got good at was overriding that dulling it down until it kind of got normalizedly we didn't even know we were doing it right slowly our conditioning crept in the efforting crept in and then it looked normal and then it was like a sort of a little flute in an orchestra getting quieter and quieter and quieter because the brass band was getting too strong and then all we noticed was brass band but now my flute versus my brass band the ratio is different right and i can really tell right but it so we I, in my work i talk about recalibrating to that which is what you've done over the last decade or so whilst you've sort of woken up to the efforting willpower discipline hard work way was overriding what was sort of underneath yeah if that's making sense it makes total sense i actually want to share something um super vulnerable with you right please so here's the here's the truth right so i had childhood trauma that um to be candid um at when i was 11 years old i was sexually assaulted by a man and two women that i didn't know and i, mm. I was told that I would, um, if I ever told anyone, I would, my family and I would be harmed. And I oh, took that damn. literally. Yeah. So here's the thing. So the truth is, in my teenage years and into my 20s, I wanted to hide that part of myself, right? So I did everything I could to look good, be good, and to not let anyone know that that had even happened. So the truth is, I was living behind a facade mm -hmm. and it, it took such energy and effort to keep this facade because it was a means of safety for myself and my family. So I thought fast forward when I was 30 years old, my dad dropped dead um, in a tragic boating accident three days after Christmas. Mm. And that, that was when I was like, what, the heck is life really about? I don't understand it. And I kind of went into this deep inquiry about trying to understand it. Here's the irony. In the grieving process, in grieving my dad, that traumatic experience that happened when I 11 started to come back to the surface. And because unresolved trauma, it's like a, it's like a, you know, um, a cascading effect or a snowball effect, right? It just, it, it, and so for me, what was happening, I'm grieving in the loss of my dad and I'm now being reminded of something that happened almost 20 years prior. Yeah. Right. And I thought I was going crazy. Right. And so at that stage, I was working with a, a, a you know, therapist and she insisted that I tell my family what had happened to me when I was 11. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not telling anyone. I am a corp. I worked in the corporate world. I was had a very prominent position. I was, you know, pretty well known in the industry. And I'm not going to tell that talk about that. So I resisted it. And I eventually what happened was my depression got worse, my anxiety got worse, my medication started to increase. So nothing was working. And I was like, okay, and I eventually got to the place of like, fine, if you think that this is truly going to help me, I'm going to do it because this isn't working. Mm. So my point here is that I had to be okay with me, all aspects of me, 
like right here, right now, like I now look back at an event that happened when I was 42, eight years ago now at the Boston Marathon bombings, it blew me open. And actually I now recognize it is the greatest gift of my life. And I know that sounds really hard to hear. I did not believe that in the beginning. That took years for me to get to that place. But I now recognize it helped me dismantle the facade that I had been, you know, trying to hold up for most of my life. And so when people don't feel comfortable being themselves, well, it shows up. It shows up. And so I want to come at it here is that I'm okay with who I am. You know, there's things that I've done in my past that I'm not proud of. But I can own it today. I can say, you know what? I did, I did some really stupid things. But you know what? I've learned from it. I'm not a bad person. I didn't harm anyone. But I'm okay with it. So as a result, I'm okay with me. And because of that, I can tap into that essence of me. Because I, like you, peers, was numb to it. Like I used to, like I used to read all these books. I remember reading the power, the the book of the power of now. And Mm. I'm like, okay, I get it intellectually, but I didn't get it. I couldn't, I struggled to embody it Mm. because I was struggling to embody who I am. Right. And so it was like, you know, and you know, I grew up in a society, I grew up in the States, right? So I grew up in the States where it's like you had to fit this norm. You had to be perfect. You had to do, you had to excel at everything. And oh my God, if it was a mistake, it was like, you know, so you did everything you could to not make a mistake. But then as I got older, I realized this valuable lessons in the mistakes. And there's, and when you can create a space that allows people that it's okay to take risk and to fail forward. I don't, by the way, I don't believe in failing. I believe mm-hmm. if you're truly out there, you, everything's a lesson, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, and you can learn from it, like, okay, and you can pivot and you can grow from it. But if we live in, if we're in this paradigm of it's got to be right and you got to get it right and put all this pressure, I have found my creativity is stifled. My energy is like, you know, it's rigid because I'm like trying to fit this mold. But when we give people the space to be who they are, I have experienced more creativity comes forth. I experienced more energy comes forth. And here's what I also experienced. Projects that people would mentally think, oh my gosh, that's going to take X number of years to do, all of a sudden happens right. exponentially. Right. Now, now I really, I want to point to the project bit in a minute, but I want to just really capture something that you pointed to now firstly thank you for sharing the vulnerability i really appreciate that because it's lovely to have that candid openness but there's something very foundational i want to point to in what you were saying just a minute ago about having to be okay with who you are and all the resistance that you'd shown to what happened to you when you were a young teen and obviously and then when your dad passed and then which was sort of born out when the bombing happened in boston um that there's a, a very foundational piece to that, I think is so rich and important. And for those people who are familiar with quality of mind, it's, it's the self and I piece, right? Because what, what you said was you need to be okay with yourself. You need to be okay with who you are. Now, to me, the shortcut to that, and it isn't really a shortcut because it's the most natural organic thing, but it, but it might look like a shortcut, is to see that what we are in what we might describe as the self, the peers, the Jennifer, the whatever, 
this bunch of conditioning narratives, this avatar of the me, which tiny infants don't have, right? They don't have a sense of self. They are just I, they are just the universe, right? That is not really what we are anyway, right? We are the thing before that. We are the thing that is aware of the Piers or the Jennifer, right? Now, once we realize, not know, but realize that, coming to terms with the peers or the Jennifer or the personality or the character or the avatar, which has had all these things happen to it. Some might be lovely and some might be less lovely as you've described is so much easier because you realize it wasn't you anyway, and it didn't damage you. It just haven't, it just happened to the avatar. Absolutely. Right. So it, your story so beautifully shows that now, like many people, that took quite a few years for you to realize, but you have, which is lovely. And you can just see it in your face. You know, if, if people we're on a podcast here, so you can't see this listeners, but I can. Right. Um, <laughs> it's obvious that that's you're, you're there right now. What I try and point to in my work is you don't have to go via all the trauma and the, the, the long way around. If no. you see what we are, it's available for all and everyone, regardless of what's happened in the game of life. 100%. That's the point why I created the film and why yeah. I'm out speaking. You don't need to have the trauma. You don't need to have the bond. Please, actually, I would, I would just, just say, don't do that to yourself, right? But it's like, but when we can really be a, it's exactly that is to recognize, and it's really getting out of the ego, right? To, mm. to use those terms is to get out of the ego and recognize that we all come from a source, right? And we're, and, and we're not bad and wrong, good or right. Because the other thing I want to make sure that your listeners understand is that it would be really easy for me in the beginning it was to hate the two young men that placed the bombs that killed right. four people in yeah. And let's be clear, I did hate them. And I actually would silently contemplate how I would kill them if I ever got in contact mm. with them. That's the truth. Mm. Until I chose to forgive them nearly two years later is when my journey pivoted and started to shift. And what was fascinating was that was the door opener to, for the first time for me to have compassion to those two young men which yes. I did not have before. But then that compassion over time led to curiosity of who does this? Why does somebody do something like that? And I learned that those two young men had grown up in an environment where bombs were placed on them repeatedly. Okay. Mm. Not something any child, I never grew up like that, right? I grew up in a very safe, you know, environment um, in, in the context of when it comes to that frame of thing, right? So my point here is that I got curious and then that curiosity led to another level of compassion. And then eventually I actually generally love those two young men. Yeah. And I generally have gratitude for them because if I hadn't gone through that experience, I wouldn't be where I am today doing what I am doing today. And let's be clear. I'm not saying people need to go through a bombing experience. That's not what I'm saying. Right. The shortcut is is to really, I think, take some time to go within. You know, we, I don't know about you, peers, but we grew up in a society here in the States where it's like, it's almost like, okay, you should go to school to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. 
because you can make a lot of money at it. But some people, that's not their passion. Their passion might be something completely different. But but we live, you know, in a society, it's like to conform in order to make a good living. But when we actually look at what 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 really makes us come alive, what is it that really makes us, you know, that we're passionate about, you know, and and start to cultivate what that is and lean into that. And then life becomes like this magic carpet ride. And truthfully, we become in a state of flow. Yes. It doesn't mean we don't experience challenges. It doesn't mean that. But I, I look at anything else. Challenges are like a chisel. It's just like making me an even more resilient, vibrant, mm. stronger human being. And, and I want to just clarify something for people or, or just get people to inquire in something, right? That people might hear phrases like go within, right? And, and see what makes you come alive. Now, that phrases like that confuse me for about 10 years, right? <laughs> because what I thought that meant was go into my psychological self and conditioning, dig around until I find my mission and purpose, right? To such an extent as a coach, I used to help people do that, find out, you know, what their mission and purpose is, their calling is, because I knew and I'd seen it that when people are in sync with their, their calling, whoosh, they're in flow. So it was a reverse engineering process that followed logic, if you find it. Now I realize that what go within means doesn't mean that, right? That is a symptom of what oozes out the other end, right? In emergence of, oh, I think I know what I love doing. It's X or Y. But actually, you almost need to go the other way, which is, to, and you hinted at this, you need to go before the self, before the psychological self, right? You need to go to what we are truly, which is not the ego, the avatar, the altar that is me or Jennifer, but to the nothingness of infinite consciousness, if you like, to use a technical term, because from that, out of that, phoenixes an obviousness of what you love doing and flow. But if we dig around in our psychological selves trying to find it, we just get confused and we get frustrated and we, you know, so it's actually the go within piece. I always thought went go within me, the mind. Actually, it's to go what I described as before psychology. Absolutely. And then, and, and that's often the surrendering, right, to go before, then it comes online right absolutely but, but what stops us to do to your point that you've, you've mentioned a few times what stops us doing that is how preoccupied we are and kind of attached to the busyness of trying to be the right thing for the world for society for to you know to, to, to cover up what we think is wrong with us which there isn't anything wrong with us anyway but we think there is so i better cover that up with some efforting so the go within piece i think there's a real nuance to what that is because it's not actually go within the, the personal mind. It's before yeah. a space, which is very difficult to describe. People have all been there in little moments. Of course they have. It's almost a space before thought. Absolutely. It is a space before thought. And when I say go within for me, what that means, and I love this conversation because now you're drilling it deeper. Mm. When I say go within for me, that is getting quiet. So mm -hmm. it's actually a form of meditation where I, now I might just sit in silence and just be quiet and I might contemplate something. And then I just, just 
wait for guidance around it, right? So I'm not trying to get somewhere. I'm not trying to force something. It's just like this kind of like, uh, um, there's a surrendering. We all have access to a higher level of intelligence, but there's too much noise in our field, right? We ha- we're surrounded by electronics. We're su- I mean, we're at the stage now where like people can get a hold of you in a nanosecond, right? Because we're so connected, if you will. What I find is I have to disconnect every day and connect into that space. And it is before thought that gives me a sense in a level of clarity, like, oh, this is the action to take. Call so-and-so. I might not always understand why to call so-and-so, but I'll give you a quick example. Mm. Had a business meeting this morning before getting on the Zoom and or this podcast. And we, um, we were talking about various different things that we're going to do for 2022. And one really excited me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then this two people came to mind. I instantly sent a message to one of them and they're like, I'm available now. I'm available in 20 minutes. Let's jump on a Zoom. We pitched the idea to this person within two minutes. They're like, yes, I'm in. That's what I mean about being in flow. So I took some time this morning to be in silence and just do my own thing, right? Not any specific agenda, so to speak. I go into a business meeting. I'm, I'm fresh. I'm clear. I'm just you know open to... And then we're having this dialogue. Some things resonated for me, others didn't. But because I was in the present moment, what dropped in was, hey, call so-and-so. And I was like, oh, okay. And so while I was on with my business partner, I said, hey, I'm just going to message so-and-so and see if they're available in the next day or two. And just so happens, he was like, oh, I'm available. I can meet, I can meet in 20 minutes. Great. I'll send you a Zoom link. We'll jump on a quick call. Because... It's like connecting into a frequency, you know? So this is hard to actually describe. I I can, I get these images, peers, and I know that you do too, but sometimes it's hard to articulate because our mind, our mind isn't meant to get it. When you get, it's like when you turn on a radio dial and you're tuned in and you can hear things crystal clear, that's what we're talking about here is like getting into that resonance, getting into that cadence, if you will. And it, for me, honestly, Piers, it took me slowing down and it took me coming to a place of less is more. Yes. Not all of this, like, oh my gosh, we got to do 50 things next year. No, we don't pick one or two. I'm not interested in working hard anymore. So it's like, you might have these really great ideas and you might have, you know, especially, you know, with corporations and businesses, right? You might, you're not short on ideas. But at the end of the day, what, what is the, the one or two things that are really next level that you can get behind that like lights you up? And for me, this one aspect of the business meeting, I was lit up about. And guess what? We have eight, eight meetings lined up in the next 48 hours. Now I'm knowing I'm into something. I have tapped into something and people are now tapped into that as well. And I don't know where it's going but I took the breadcrumbs. We talked about this earlier. I took like, and it, like yeah. my mind was like, now what, there's a couple of people that came to mind that I was like, really them? I don't understand why, but I, I just learned to trust that. I don't know where it's going. Just reach out to them. Okay. I reached out to them. I, I now have them on my schedule. 
And it's, it's, it's such an interesting thing because business is told to be very logical, linear, um, process-driven. And what we're pointing to is something that is not that, right? It's almost a vertical uh, thing that drops into a horizontal process. It's Absolutely. an impersonal that comes in. It's non-linear it, and it feels different because it has a resonance to it, it has the wind behind your sails. There's an obviousness to things, but there's no necessarily ra- rational, logical, analytical reason why you should be calling that person, why this project over that person. But when you tune in, whoosh, off you go. And absolutely right. What gets in the way of it, which is so comical when you see how businesses are set up because they are so getting in the way of it is spaciousness right to see it and i I believe the way i would describe it is in any moment that we are seeing that what is appearing on the screen of perception i.e reality is just a little shortcut phrase here real but not true right so it's just emerging through and we're not so self-identified and attached to the content of our reality we are more open for that frequency to come through when we're really self-identified and attached to our reality like you were earlier with some of the things that you're resisting in your past there's no spaciousness there's no you know you're just in the self in the conditioning now when you allow yourself to go to that space before thought which we get to from seeing that the world is real but not true you're operating at a different level now, if businesses recognize this, they would be so much more effective. Uh, they wouldn't run around like headless chickens like a lot of them do. Uh, it would be easy, right? But people have been brought up to think easy is wrong because easy has got a bad rep, right? Um, or, well, I'm just going to have a couple of hours this morning just to see what turns up to me. If you said that to, you know, in an organization, yeah, this morning, I'm just going to have a couple of hours off meeting just to see what turns up. People would go, well, that just sounds like you're being lazy, right? Um, and it's funny, I, I, here's a funny thing. You might have spotted this with the corporate culture. Some organizations sort of get a sense of this. So then they make a process out of having a couple of hours off, right? Which totally misses the point because it's not the time per se. It's the space that you're in, not the time. So you could give someone two hours off, go and have some creative ideas in two hours because they're not in the right space, aperture. That's just two hours of nothing happening, really. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. They, you they try and processify something it. it can't be. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to manufacture something. It's like, no, 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 that's not how it works. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's not how it works. And I want to actually point to what something else, right? So, you know, we, we've been taught to have this mindfulness, right? And, mm. and, and, and I want to just speak to something, right? So my rational mind, so I had a few people that dropped in when I was having this business conversation. A couple made sense and a couple did, made no sense to me. I'm like, I don't get where this is going. Now, my rational brain was like, nah, I'm not going to reach out to them. Nah, but I intuitively got four people's names, two hands down, I knew. The other two, I didn't know where. And I was just like, okay, I'm not going to analyze this. I'm not going to sit there and go, yeah, but I don't think they're ready and it's right time because that's where my mind wanted to go. So I had to rein it back in and go, okay, no, I got those four names for a reason. All I need to do is take action and reach out to those four people. And that's what I did. Three of them have responded back. Meetings have already been scheduled. One probably has messaged me back at this point because there's something in the vibrational frequency, right? And there's, you know, and 
And here's the deal. If we have an analysis paralysis and we allow ourselves to go through that mind twirl for too long, that very valid opportunity that might have dropped in a little while back could actually dry up and often does, mm. right? It's just like being in that now moment um, and, and, and heeding what comes through. And, and the opposite is true. Like there's sometimes when, you know, again, very, very corporate driven, like deadlines, you got to make sure that you've got something done in deadline. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't work, right? You, it, again, it's like, you know, when I am pressured to a deadline, I notice, I feel some constriction in my, in my body. Mm. And it's like, oh my gosh, I have, I have to, I have to, I have to produce something, right? I have to, I've got this deadline and I've got to get it done. Classic example, the making of this film. We were told by all of the so-called experts in the film industry that this documentary would take 18 or more months to create. I intuitively knew we could do it in six. Mm. I did not know how we would do it in six, to be clear, but I intuitively knew we would do it in six. So I had to be with the noise from all the experts that have been in the field for 20, 30 years. Some of them were on my team. It's not possible. And I said, yep, I got it. I got it. All I need you to do is bring your genius to the table and do what you do best. I'll worry about the schedule. I'll worry about the timeline. Don't worry about it. But I'm letting you know we're not taking 18 months to do it. We get it done in six. Great. But I, I kept it in this like kind of this loose, tight kind of context, if you will. So I wasn't like this has to happen there. I wasn't yeah. rigid. But I also wasn't, no, 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 having the space, right? So there's this, there's this other piece here, right? So my gosh, we could just go on and on and on. But, but would that, I just want to focus on one bit because I think that's a really key bit, right? That loose tight bit that you described as loose tight, right? Now, what I heard in that was the the tightness in that was, well, what just because it takes 18 months doesn't mean we're going to have to take, take 18 months. But the looseness was you weren't going, we will do it like this and we will definitely, you know, there was an openness to see if you could do it in um, six months, not 18. Right. But the but there's a loose tightness around that because it wasn't like, going well, if we don't do it in six months, we're failures. And I don't know. This just occurred to me, and you may not have seen this movie on uh, Netflix. But have you seen Fourteen Peaks? I have the, not. Right. So, if, if, is this a spoiler? Alert? I don't know. But basically, it's a guy who who does the fourteen highest uh, uh, mountains in the world, all over eight thousand meters. Right. And there's fourteen of them. And the quickest person before took a couple of years, and he did it in six months. That's amazing. Right. Which is amazing because there's a lot of climbing to do and preparations now he i think the way i saw that movie um had the loose tight thing going on so he was totally open to doing it in six months right which everyone was going no you can't it doesn't work but also he was like well if we don't do it we don't do it kind of thing right but he wouldn't it didn't sound like he was nonchalant it was just like well i'm just going to do the very very best i can he just had a sense he could do it um, he literally ran at Mount Everest, it looked like, right? <laughs> he was laughing around. People had been caught in avalanches. No, he wasn't laughing at that, but he had just a lightness to him about risk. But but he was sensible too. He, he, he you know, but there was just something about the space he was in 
which was loose tight in your language, right? And it sounds very similar to what you were doing with your project around your movie, right? Which was, well, I think we can do it in six months, right? Why do we need to buy into the narrative of 18? But you weren't kind of whipping people to do that because that would be stepping on, there's a lovely metaphor one of my mentors, Michael Niels uses. He, he says that if you, that if you imagine a, a garden hose, a yard hose, and you, you step on it, right? It stops the flow. And that's what pressure does. It actually stops flow. But we think, we think applying pressure increases flow. Well, no, it increases hard work and efforting, but it doesn't actually increase flow. It's like stepping on the hose. So and all you know. I had, all I had to do was listen to their concern and listen to their, I didn't say, I didn't, I didn't create the conflict either. I didn't say, yes, we can. I didn't get into this banter yeah. back and forth. Right. I just said, I hear you. I hear you. And I said, the schedule and the budget is my concern. I will take that. I'm just putting it out there that I feel we can do this in six months and we either will or we won't. I'm yeah. just asking you to do your part, which is you, what you've been brought in to do is do your zone of genius. And then, and it was just like, and then what was fascinating was people in the group were blown away by their own limiting beliefs that they were able to rise up from them. Cause all I did was I didn't say that's not true. I didn't invalidate them. I yeah. validated their concerns. I yeah. genuinely listened to them, even though I had a different opinion, I didn't sit there and tote mine was better than theirs or I didn't do any of that. All I did was listen and I validated their concern. Got it. I heard you. Okay. Now let's go, let's go to the task. And, at hand. And I think for listeners, you know, that there's a golden thread between what we're talking about here is, and the golden thread of, of this piece is in, when we're talking about these projects, it's your relationship to the self right on this so remember what we said earlier that if you when you resist and self-identify and buy into the self's narrative that's what causes suffering and lack of flow and contracted aperture when you are just with it okay with it just seeing what it is not buying into it recognizing it but not buying into it that creates a very different space because you're not you're not getting stuck in the self's narrative, believing that's how things are. It's not real and true. It's real for people when they say, oh, we can't do this in six months. That's real. It's not true, right? It's real. But what you're not saying to them is, oh, you're an idiot for thinking it takes 18. You're just being with it and going, okay, that's how you see it. That's how you see it. But again, the less you, if you, if you try and fight it, you'll give it more resistance, which means it persists. So the golden thread is, again, seeing the role of this personal self-mind and these real but never true narratives it creates. And when that gets out of the way, woohoo, flow happens. The breadcrumbs start to appear with more and more obviousness and you get extraordinary results and you go from su surviving to thriving and beyond and you get wonderful output like the movie that you've created, which I'd recommend we'll put, the, put it in the show notes that anyone has a look at. Um, and the fact you did it in six months, even better, right? You know, <laughs> so it just shows what happens when you're not tied into this, um, these narratives about what we are. It's just fascinating to see. And it's a beautiful, beautiful example of it, Jennifer. And I want to share one other thing. 
not only did we do it in six months, we did it with a third of what the budget we were told it would take to do. Right. Because we got very creative in how we did things. We, we had an intention. I had a vision and I had an intention, but I wasn't attached to how it was going to look and play out. And that's the key here is yes. that I had uh, a cinematographer I absolutely wanted to work with on the entire project. We were scheduled to go to Sedona. One week prior, he messages me and he said, I can't go. I had a family emergency. I can't go. And now I'm like, I've got other crew going. I've got investors in the project coming. We've got everything. We've got permits lined up to do the filming. It's a big deal. Now what? And I literally was like, oh my gosh, do I need to cancel? But I intuitively got, no, you're going to keep, or like, who is going to do this? This is just not, I wasn't looking for just any cinematographer. It had to be someone that could bring forth the message um, that we were looking to bring forth. And, and I didn't know anyone that was available on that short notice. So I had to surrender, which took me a little bit to do because I went, mm -hmm. I went into freak out mm -hmm. mode to be candid, <laughs> um, you know, and, and then I had to just surrender and then I went back to, you know, my cinema photographer who I absolutely love and said, can you help me find someone else who can do this? He said, absolutely. So between the two of us, we ended up finding, now what are the chances of this? We ended up finding one of Anthony Bourdain's cinematographers who just so happened to be in Arizona the week that we were shooting and just so happened to be available. Mm, wow. There you go. Synchronicity. Yeah. But that wouldn't have happened if I allowed my fear, which I legitimately had, and my panic was like, now what do I do? Because then I went into a constricted space and all I could think of was I need to reschedule. But that is such a big deal. There's time involved. There's money involved. Like we would have had to redo permitting. It would have blown everything. But instead, I just had to go, to go back into this place of silence and just take a step back and surrender and allow other um other things to come to the surface, these breadcrumbs, as you call them, to come to the surface and take action there, even though my logical mind couldn't see how I was going to make that happen. And that's such a great example, isn't it? Because you knew intuitively at one level that that space, the space for thought, that, that whatever we want to call it, right? You don't know what it's going to come up with. Right? You don't know what it's going to come up with, but you now have a knowing... Um, uh, reliance on the what that space can produce you know we never know what it's going to do in content but we know what it that it that it's the, it's what we've it's what you know we've got going for us right rather than going into your busy conceptual mind trying to find solution after solution after solution go to not knowing not knowing and and you know it the corporate world is so bad at this. It loves to know. It wants to know, no, 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 no. Right now, what we're saying is point to not knowing. Go before psychology. Go before self. Go to space for thought and see what arises. And you were lucky enough to know that. And then guess what happened? You got an amazing cinematographer, and off you went. And I think, you know, as a symptom of that, also the way I would describe it is, is something you said a little bit before. You said, and I put it in this language, is that you were committed and focused and making this project happen, but you weren't what I would call attached or invested emotionally in that. You weren't going, oh, if this doesn't happen in six months, I'm a failure, I'm a rubbish, you know. You didn't have an ego attachment to it. You were committed and focused, 
but you didn't have uh, any ego in it, right? And that allows you then to go back to the surrender space, that space of emergence where they're not knowing where things just pop through. So, and that's also why you described a while, a while ago is I don't like work now. I like doing things that are fun because that's the same space, just different language, right? And if something feels efforting and you've got something on it, you're, you're not going to get the best out of yourself, right? So at one level, isn't it simple? I mean, it's not easy, but it's so simple. It is so simple, but we, our minds, we are, we, we are conditioned to keep going to the mind and we're actually, yes. what we're pointing to is it's beyond the mind. It's, it's, it's way before that. I, I, absolutely. And that took me decades to suss. Um, now I think I've sort of start to see it now. And luckily my work is all about that. Um, but we are so innocently, invisibly educated the other way. Um, now is something I try and do as a dad is keep pointing my kids to it. Um, but anyway, um, Jennifer, times are ticking, sadly, but so is there anything, oh, there's so many things we could talk about, and there should be a part two, but it, it, as a succinct little finale, is there anything you want to say to summarize or conclude what we've been talking about? I mean, it's been such a great conversation, but is there anything you'd like to add at the end? You just, I, I just take the first step, right? I want the listeners to understand, like, you know, I think the biggest takeaway for me, if, if you were to sit there and say, okay, what were the key elements that help you get to where you are today? Number one for me, doesn't mean that this is for everyone, but for right. me, it was slowing down. Mm -hmm. Slowing down. I was constantly chasing the next best thing and chasing it because it was filling a void inside of me. So I, one, had to slow down. And number two, it actually being okay with all of me, right? And that takes time for me to get there. But I would encourage people, don't wait for the traumatic experience to happen, to wake up to it. Start to do that work now. If you're not lit up and excited about life, then it's time to actually take a time out and start to, you know, engage with people like peers. This is what you do is help people. You know, you help people get, you know, start to tap into what it is that they want to do in life and start to take actions in pursuing that, you know? So if you don't know how to get started, reach out to somebody like peers, you know, um, who can truly help you get on your path, whatever that may be. But you don't need to do it alone either. That's the other thing I would say, peers, is that, you know, is that, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to my mentors and to my coaches because I wouldn't be where I am today without them. And I'm, and I still, you know, engage with them because I'm constantly wanting to create an even better life for myself and all of those that I touch. Mm. Wow. That's great. I mean, what I heard you say there was firstly, slow down, stop, chasing whatever in life to fill this made up void right so to slow down stop efforting and chasing start to see that you are you're okay you're absolutely you know what you are before the self is absolutely solid okay ring fence that's undamageable so be okay with you and you also then at the end sort of mentioned you know there is more to life 
that there's a poster behind you, which I know is part of your uh, tagline, right? That there's got to be more to life than this. Yes, there is, right? <laughs> it will be my view. So don't wait. I mean, wh why would you wait? You know, just, it's, I think people do wait because they can't imagine what it would be, right? Because it's the unknown. So yeah. they think, well, I know what, I, what it is now and that's kind of okay. I'm kind of comfortable. But what we're saying is, oh no, there's something beautiful that will emerge. Who knows what? No idea. No idea. But there's more mojo, there's more joy, there's more freedom, there's more richness of life all over the, in, with ups and downs to be had. So go for it. And just follow the breadcrumbs. You don't know yeah. where it's going to go. If you wait for all the breadcrumbs to appear, you're missing the boat. Absolutely. A absolutely. And, and that's, that's, you know, that's absolutely key. So Jennifer, we have to press pause on this now because it's you know because of time but it's been such a lovely conversation there's lots of things we could have dived into right to be honest i think you and i as you said we're, we're pointing in the same direction from slightly different doors but it's you know pretty similar i've really enjoyed talking to you so thank you so much for giving it your time because i know you're a you know a, a busy person so thank you so much and for listeners, we're going to put um, the details of Jennifer's stuff and her show and her um, great movie in the show notes. So do check it out. Thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you. Well, uh, listeners, as usual, we'd love to hear any feedback. Let us know. Details will be in the show notes. So as usual, until next time, have fun being curious. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to know more, check out our website at qualityofmind.biz and also feel free to reach out and leave us a review or a comment. Until next time, have fun being curious.